Everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Shop and Chivalry Podcast. Today, I have a very special conversation with somebody who speaks my language. Running for alderman in Ward 6 is Melanie Milburn. She's a native of the Gulf Coast, Biloxi to be specific, a graduate of Southern Mississippi, and a former Air Force colonel who spent 25 years in the service. We chat about her time in the Air Force and what that unique experience brings to Ward 6, as well as Ocean Springs. On this episode, we explore her background, we talk about key issues in this election, and her personal ideas for continuing the responsible growth of Ocean Springs, while never losing sight of the artistic and diverse community which make up the great organics of this wonderful city of discovery. Melanie's well-spoken, well-thought-out, and carries with her a sense of strength, courage, and integrity. I'm excited, I'm excited she's running, and I'm excited to get this episode out. Everyone, please welcome Melanie Milburn. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Shop and Chivalry podcast. My guest today, Melanie Milburn or Milbourne? Milburn. Milburn. Okay. Melanie, how are you? I am doing great. Yeah? I'm doing great. I've got my coffee. I'm good to go. There you go. We just got done with, what, about 45 minutes or more of, of, of conversation? I know. We probably should have just put it all on the air. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah. So you're running for alderman. I am alderman, Ward okay. 6. Ward 6. Okay. Uh, why? Well... Um, actually it has to do with service, service of my community, um, military time Mm -hmm. taught me that, you know, the service before self. Sure. Excellence in what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those type of things. I feel like I have a lot to offer and to, to give to Ocean Springs to make it a better place. I think I could serve the community well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm more convinced of that now than, than, uh, when we first met because, you know, we've, we've had such great conversation, right? Of course, you know, not to say anything bad. Um, but, uh, yeah, you, you, you've got a pretty, pretty interesting service career, right? I do. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Maybe just go over the, the, sure. the kind of bullet points. Cause I mean, sure. you, you, you were, uh, you know, you were in the service, you're an officer in the, in the air force. So, so tell us about that real quick. Well, I can start off with saying, grew up in Biloxi. Yeah, there you go. Um, Biloxi High, graduated Biloxi High. My mom graduated Biloxi High. Um, but growing up, the high school was right across the street from the Air Force Base. And okay. you could look out and you could see the airmen marching in the Triangle area mm-hmm. uh, with briefcases in their hands. And I kind of thought, wow, who would do that? But uh, needless to say, I went up to the University of Southern Mississippi getting a degree in elementary education originally, and my friends were all ROTC, talked about how great the military was and uh, how great the Air Force was and that I should go talk to somebody, and I did. And they said, well, we don't need elementary education degrees. The airmen have passed elementary education. So I um, changed my degree to mathematics and decided this is where I want to go. And uh, the service part of it, you go to your first basic training and and you really look at the history of what the military's done for our country mm-hmm. and how um, the military members love their country. And it was a, a service thing for me then. So mm. what what drove you to that? Like, was it something in the history that 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 drove this this sort of passion or feeling that you needed to serve or my uh stepfather who's been my stepfather for years uh over 30 years now he was military okay uh, retired as master sergeant out at keesler oh okay and i really respect him and look up to him and and to me it was just an honorable thing to do to be mm-hmm. able to step up and say i'm here yeah to do whatever 
the country needs me to do. So yeah, no that that makes perfect sense. Uh, it's 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 interesting how uh, we we tend to want to emulate people that that we think are people we can be that that do amazing things. It's sort of a, a, a goal that they are a, a, a pinnacle of what what we want to achieve, and in order to achieve that, we we try to emulate those people, yeah. their actions. And my mom, she uh, she also worked out at Keesler for. 30 years oh, okay. uh, in the housing office most nice. of the time. And uh, so she got to meet everyone that came into the base had to go to the housing office. So right, she right. got to meet a lot of people. And and growing up and being younger, there were a lot of times that I was in her office hanging out. And just the type of people you have in the military are, are a bit of a high caliber. So. There you go. I, I think they are. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay. So Ward 6, tell us about Ward 6. Ward 6, it's uh, probably the largest ward land-wise, uh-huh. uh, but not the most people um, in Ward 6. And it's actually uh, close to, well, where Walmart is, mm-hmm. uh, to the west of Walmart, to Dina Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes that direction. And then to the, goes to the west, to the east goes all the way out to Highway 57 pretty much. Okay. So, a um, lot of land, a <laughs> lot of properties, and everyone's talking about the development of East Ocean Springs, and that would be Ward 6. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, all of all of Ward 6. So so what are your thoughts on on how to develop out in East Ocean Springs? Mm, I, th- I think we need to develop out in East Ocean mm-hmm. Springs. Now, when I was growing up, anything past probably, I don't know, Two miles before that was just all woods and ocean springs, and mm-hmm. and uh, I I think that there's a lot of opportunity for the city of Ocean Springs uh, to have an economic impact. I'm not talking big box stores all over the place out there, yeah. but I do think that there is a lot we can do uh, in East Ocean Springs to service to serve the people. All the new homes that are being built out that direction, the new homes that were being built by the high school, the new homes being built off of. Uh, Riley Road, close to where I live in Trentwood. Um, there's a lot of people out there that now have to go all the way into Ocean Springs for a lot of the things they need. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. is it what is it about the box stores that you uh, that you're weary of? Um, I Ocean Springs is known as a quaint, mm-hmm. small town feel kind of place, and and to have something like you know Diarville has with with the promenade and all that, that just is, I feel it's too commercialized for Ocean Springs. Ocean Springs is a different feel to me. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm inclined to agree. And, and I've, I've had people on here that say, well, you know, everybody leaves Ocean Springs to go there. And, and, and while that's true, obviously it's not 100% true, but, but while p- many people leave Ocean Springs to go spend money over there, the better question I have is, would they rather do that than have all the trappings of all that hustle and bustle in East Ocean Springs. Because there's a trade-off there, right? There is a trade-off there. You know, if you have, <clears throat> you know, that just that line that has uh, Best Buy and it's got Bed Bath & Beyond, if you had just that line, I mean, imagine all the traffic that that's going to bring. You're going to lose all of the scenery. You, you will. Know, so. You will. My kids now, I've I've bounced things off of them because one, my oldest daughter's a senior at Ocean Springs and, and she's going to the University of Alabama okay. next year. And, and she kind of thinks out of the box, but she said, mom, you know, quite honestly, if we could have something out here for the teens, something they could do. I know Biloxi has big play and they have finish line and those type of things. But, but the teenagers, she would always, I would always say, well, what are y'all doing tonight? And they would go down to the beach because mm-hmm. that's the only thing 
that's suited for them. Downtown Ocean Springs in the evening on the weekends not suited for, you know, 15, 16, 17-year-olds something to do. So they're throwing at me ideas for maybe we could think of something that would be family-friendly um, mm-hmm. to, to do out in East Ocean Springs for the did, kids. Did they give any ideas, any, anything more, more specific or, or a type of thing? Um, like you mentioned big play. So. Yeah, something similar to okay. maybe that. Um, drive, a drive-in theater would a be cool. Drive it, that was, I, I told him, I said, a drive-in theater I think would be fun. I'd go I went do that. To, we went and saw a movie in California because I was first stationed out there at Travis. And, man, that was such a fun experience. I did it one time, and after the one time, I went home and uh, I built – I built a, a, a box that had speakers in it because it was all off your AM radio because I wanted to have a better sound setup but not have to run the car. And, of course, the weather in California is amazing at night. Uh, but we sat up lawn chairs in the back of the truck, and we had the boom box there that could – that I built and it was just, it was fantastic. And to me, it's clean fun for the kids and they get yeah. to go see a movie and hang yeah. out with their friends and, and they're not being run off from the beach because it's, it's later than they want people out at the beach, which I understand for safety reasons. Yeah. They don't want them all hanging out there. But, but yeah, well, when I went to the drive-in theater, it was a do drive-in over in Biloxi and they had just the little square things that you yeah. sat in your window. <laughs> so the, the sound quality was not all that great, but it was still a good time. Sure. Sure. But that's, but that's an experience in and of itself. It would be neat though, uh, excuse me, if it was something to the effect where the vehicles were on like terrace levels, you know, that'd be, that'd be pretty slick, you know, kind of like the old silver screen mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> out there in Edgewater. But. but, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, getting away from big box stores and stuff like that, something, something for the kids, some entertainment for the kids out there or for the family as a whole would be awesome. It is sort of a paradox though, right? Because uh, it's a large investment for a small, for a smaller business to come and invest in an area that's undeveloped, right? right? So in effect, you have to have it pre-developed by a large box store that has gravity and people will be attracted to right. it. Right. So it, it, that's, of course, that's that's the idea with with the whole anchor store concept, and hopefully, Aldi's going to help that in a major way. But a good example is the restaurant that's outside of Lakeview. Yep. You know, so yep. that that has a hard time keeping people in it. And it's unfortunate because I've gone into it when it was the Italian restaurant, when it was the Mexican restaurant. Seafood. Yeah, yeah. And, and the layout's fantastic. You know, I always thought it'd be a great sports bar. Yeah. You know, surely it would survive by just the people there. They could walk home. Yep, you know? exactly. <laughs> Shoot, I could walk home to Trentwood from there. So, yeah, a little bit of a hike, but I could do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I play basketball at, at uh, Trentwood quite a bit, but... Yeah, the Aldi store, you know, I, I shopped at Aldi up when I was stationed in Maryland a lot. I, I've never been into an Aldi. Very, very nice stores. I've heard, too, that so you pay a quarter to get a cart, and then you get the quarter back, which I, I love this. I love this uh, system. And then some people, as you're bringing the cart back, they'll just give you a quarter right. and they take the cart. And right. I, don't know, I, I don't know why that tickles me so much, but I, I, but I love doing, it. But doing that, they actually save a lot of money because they now don't have to hire the people to go out and gather the carts. You go to Walmart and there's always at least one or two people out there having to gather the carts, bring them back in. Yeah. Well, Aldi doesn't have that, that problem. They may have one person in case there's a stray cart out there, but then he gets a quarter tip when he brings it back. So, mm-hmm. yeah, look, I, I think it's, I think it's an amazing concept. It, it essentially costs Aldi no money to save all the money that they're saving. Right. Right. And it's purely just the right incentive scheme. 
That's all it is. Like, it's a great example of like a, a well-designed, well-thought-out and simple socioeconomic solution to uh, uh, carts. <laughs> <laughs> a simple thing. You yeah. know, there's a lot of simple things that we all go, golly, mm-hmm. I wish I would have thought of that. Yeah. What are some simple things in Ocean Springs? Oh, gosh. Simple things in Ocean Springs? I don't, <laughs> not that many. Not I that don't many. know. I'm, I'm learning more and more about the complications <laughs> right. of a lot of things in sure. Ocean Springs. Goodness, I've learned so much just, just interviewing everybody and both on and offline you know, conversations. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Like, you know, we were talking before the show the fact that simply the definition of a townhome, you know, with the sands and we won't go into it, but just like that was fascinating to me that that was, you know, that, that much of an issue and how complex just even that, that is, you know what I mean? Well, when Um, you look at some of the codes and stuff and when words say shall or will and who interprets that to be, you have to, or you don't have to kind of thing, there's just, there's complications. So when you say simple, it's not always so simple. Here's something interesting. And you'll probably appreciate this. So there's an organization that basically, you know, there's an organization for everything, but there's a national organization for, I think, litigators or legislatures. But anyway, they're suggesting that people get away from using the word shall because shall no longer means that you're compelled to do something. But to me, it means that. It means that, right, right. But but the problem is that it's been written, it's been so misquoted or misused in, in legislation that they're, they're recommending that lawyers or whoever writes legislation or policy to no longer use the word shall. It's must. Because apparently shall has to come, shall means command, and command has to have consequence. And this came up in a debate I think was out in Oklahoma because there was an ordinance uh, that people shall wear a mask, but there was no consequence laid out in that. So shall in that situation actually didn't mean shall. Wow. It means should. So you have to have a consequence of command. And then with consequence of command, it has to be a realizable or actionable command. And if you have no authority to actually enforce it, shall does not mean command. Right. It's an interesting thing. Well, there was a lot of, um, I would have to review contracts in the Air Force. Uh, especially if we were doing a, a manpower study, looking at whether or not we keep it in-house for the military or we let it go out to a contractor. Mm-hmm. And words like that can change the whole meaning of a document on what the contractor can and can't do. And and there were times that the military, because of words like that, when they'd go to the contractor, if the contractor was after the contract was let, and we'd say, hey, you're supposed to be doing this. Oh, no, no, no. doesn't say we have to do that says we can do that or we you know so you got to watch those words a lot yeah yeah i i don't know about you but that ex, that type of i don't like meticulous things i love that like, like i i absolutely love it you and just got to make sure you're reading every single every word single thing and so so that gave me this weird uh superpower in the air force because i realized what more I could do, things I could leverage, the gray area I was walking in, uh, and I became kind of a formidable person if I wanted to, if I was really motivated to get something done. You know, it's, there's, there's, there's ways a lot to of, do it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's amazing. And bureaucratic inertia. Yeah. Sometimes you got to fight it. <laughs> so let me ask you this. What, what stores would be ideal for you to come into East Ocean Strings? What's, what's the right store for your ward? You know what? <clears throat> I think... I love the small shops in downtown Ocean Springs. And quite honestly, if we could build something similar to downtown Ocean Springs with the walking um, into the 
the quaint little art sh- art shops or the yeah. clothing stores or that type of thing where it almost be similar to a mirror image of what's downtown yeah on the east side because so many people love going downtown but 100%. parking and and other things keep people a lot of times from going down there but if we had something similar in a mirroring effect on the other side of town i think that would be awesome i do too so this is me just thinking about that as you say it like i think it's a great idea 100 percent. the concern i think about is like well there's so many access problems in downtown Ocean Springs, you know, and, and whatnot. And if you built East Ocean Springs, you take that into account. And so it... It, it, it would make more accessibility by rebuilding Which might it. take yeah. away from downtown. So, so I can see there's, there's, there might be an incentive or, or, or maybe a, a bit of caution about too much development like that in, yeah. in, in East Ocean Springs. But, but, you know, Ocean Springs is that quaint, you know, quaint town, yeah. uh, beautiful town. Um, and quite honestly, I don't think you're ever going to take anything away from downtown Ocean Springs. Sure, sure. I, I mean, just, it's it's it really is an amazing place. And, and I did a short job down there. Oh, um, did you? A friend of mine uh, owned the breakfast joint down there, and uh, I uh, applied and I worked um, serving people breakfast. And I did that right after I retired. That's to, cool. To get to meet the people of the city of Ocean Springs, being originally from Biloxi, but deciding that Ocean Springs was where I wanted to live. Being there every morning at 5 a.m., there's no parking problems in downtown Ocean right. Springs. <laughs> but when I would get off, there'd be a little bit of, of yeah. problems. But I met so many interesting people um, in downtown Ocean Springs just working down there. Yeah. And I don't think I don't think anything in East Ocean Springs, even if it was very similar to downtown, would ever take away that charm and, and the draw for the people to go to downtown Ocean Springs. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh I kind of envisioned, so you were in the Air Force. You said you are in Germany. You, you spent some time in Germany? Spent some time in Germany, Italy. So um, which, which, which base in, in Germany? Germany, I was at Ramstein. So you spent some time in like Kaiserslautern, right? Kaiserslautern. Launchstuhl, and you've got that long pebble uh, or, or uh, um, gravel, not gravel. What am I trying to say? Rock-paved walkway that had stores and people lived above them. I yeah. kind of envisioned something yeah. like that. Italy, you know, just just being European. able to go in downtown Aviano, Italy. Mm-hmm. You know, you could walk from your house, and and on the weekends they would have the markets and the mm-hmm. the cheese and the olives and oh. and all of that, and it was all in it was all enclosed, and the roads were closed for all the little shops to sell what they needed to sell on the weekends. And I love that, and I miss that. Yeah, when when I was in, so I would fly through Sicily a lot, and I was excited if we if, if we landed around ten a.m. 10 a.m. or before, because I knew that I could make it to the markets there. Uh, it was difficult to make a transaction, you know, because <laughs> because I didn't know how to speak Italian. Quanta but. Costa. Quanta. <laughs> I don't remember what the words were in Italian, but I just remember I asked it a lot. Yeah. How much is this? How oh, much is okay. this? <laughs> yeah, but it was it, it, it was great, and the food was amazing, you know, and it was all local, and, and uh, yeah, it was it was amazing. But after 1 o'clock, don't try to buy anything because they all have their siesta. That's right. That's right. I love that too. That's that's not a bad idea. Yeah. From one to three, you just get to relax and yeah. then go back to work later. Mm-hmm. But then they had to work till like seven or eight at night. So. Right, right. Uh, when I was in Rota, Spain, we landed at, at at a time during the siesta, and so we were we were at the beach down there, and we couldn't get any sangria, and you know, we, yeah, <sighs> it's tough. 
it's a tough life. You know, I flew over here at, at a 22-hour day. I want some sangria. Exactly. You know? <laughs> when are you going to open? I know. And then when they put a sign up that says we'll be back at 2 o'clock, it might be 2.30 or 3 by the time they get there. That's right. That's that's 100% correct. <laughs> I always felt like an arrogant American in, in, in those cases. Like, this is an entire, like, country. It's a civilization out here, and you feel inconvenient because you can't drink. Yep. Yep. It's like, come on, man. You know, to us, to us, a lot of times it's about making the money to them. Yeah. If we make money, we make money. If not, you know, we're good. Yeah, it's it's. I feel the tide shifting a bit in that uh, in America, and, and and not to get on on bigger politics, but that might be a convenient segue. A lot of times we talk about, say, the Mary Sea, and the Mary Sea seems to be this intersection of art and culture within the city, either explicitly or implicitly. It seems that that's true, right? The issue with the Mary C that's happened over the past year that's a bit embarrassing, uh, a lot of the talk seems to be centered around money, right, and and income and, and how much it's generating and paying the bills, all that's important. But do you think that maybe the Mary C might be so important that we should have a capacity for profit loss through the Mary C because of what it, what it represents in the city? I, I think so. Yeah. I, I think so. Um, although the Mary C has so much potential. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think to make a lot, of, I, I'm not an artist. I can appreciate it. Mm-hmm. When my daughters were little and had to do school projects, their stick figures looked way better than the ones I was drawing. <laughs> but so I'm not an artist, but I can appreciate it. And, and I think that there is so much we can do with the Mary C. My mom actually went to 10th grade in that building. Oh, no kidding. They're, they had moved over to Ocean Springs for about a year. She went to 10th grade in that building and then went back to Biloxi and graduated Biloxi High. But um, the building's beautiful. Um, the artists that we have here in the area are amazing. Yeah. They're amazing. Um, the things that we could do with the Mary C., I, I can't see it not making money or at least being self-sustaining. But if not, I think there should be room. To help out the Mary C. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and you know, art's, art's a funny thing, especially in the traditional sense, like paintings and, and whatnot. Most, most artists, they don't make money until, until they die, you know, and, 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 and that's the unfortunate side of it. So I, I, th- I think there's probably got to be some sort of commitment that the Mary C. has at, with the city's backing that we're accepting the role, which I don't think is a problem, of being the art and culture intersection of the city, the nexus of, of, of art and culture, but also being an, being an agency for artists, you know, a sort of chamber of artistry, you know, like reaching out, helping, helping them platform themselves and, and, and things of that nature. Yeah. Promotion. You know? Yeah, exactly. Basically, you know, and, and I think through that we'll, we'll get, uh, I think the incentives will cr- make it more attractive maybe for other people to, to come in and, showcase yeah my my uh, youngest daughter she's a freshman at the high school my oldest is a senior but um she did some of the theater stuff that they did in the mary c and uh she really enjoyed it yeah loved it and uh they were just little kids but it was just it was very entertaining and and i don't know liked going and watching her yeah yeah what what kind of what kind of ideas do you have for the mary c i have looked around um I, I think some some art cla- more art classes, uh-huh. whether it be art classes for the younger uh-huh. generation or if it's art classes for the, the older, the um, senior citizens to go in there and do some art classes and to mm-hmm. learn. For me, 
you know, I go to those paint by number kind of things and it turns out looking pretty good because I have somebody showing me how to do it. Right, so, right. Um, I, I really think whether it be, you know, pottery classes or painting classes or, or classes like that would, I would love to go to a yeah. lot of those classes. And I don't know that they have a whole lot of those going on right now. My wife tells me there's a gentleman in Ocean Springs who, who does classes. He does them in his home, but it's, it's pottery but at the end of it, you end up with a uh, with a um, dining set. Yeah, wow. right. And so uh, I was like, "Man, it'd be great to get some something like that in the Mary C." And she's like, "Well, he does it out of his house." I was like, "Yeah, but think about the income that could be generated from that, like because that sounds like a really cool idea." Yeah. Now I don't know what a pottery set goes for. I have to you know find that out. But you get to charge the experience, essentially the pottery set, you know. But but also he could just do it like four times a year, once a quarter. Well, now it becomes something highly desirable. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So, so you could upcharge for, for for something like that. Well, and the it's exclusivity, and it's something that you're making that's very personal to you. That's going to go in your house. Hundred percent. That's, that's a big time selling point yeah, there. So. Absolutely. And you know, honestly, I, I get this from I get this from working the trades and 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 whatnot and 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 woodworking. There's something primal about building something yourself, taking a raw material, you know, and 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 manifesting something through your own will, you know, when your power on that thing, I, there's, there's something to that, that, that I don't get from any other experience. Yeah. You know? Well, it's not art, but I've done plenty of laminate flooring going down and quarter round and sure, you know, and molding and all kinds of other stuff. And it wasn't fun. It wasn't art, but when I finished, it looked really good and I was really proud of myself. So yeah, there is that sense of pride. Well, I don't know. I think that's still art, right? Because 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 that's an experience. I mean, it's 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 your take on what what a home should look like. It's right. your expression, and right. art is expression of self. And I'd say that that's uh, artistry right there. Yeah. Well, when my kids decide they want to paint their rooms like this bright blue teal look, I'm not saying all art's good yeah. art. Yeah. Okay. Or or is my kind <laughs> of art either? You know, I should say that. <laughs> Listen, I've painted a room pink before. Uh, so yeah, been there, done that. <laughs> it's now gray cause she's, you know, 14 now and the pink just doesn't do it for her anymore. So I'm, I have no artistic training, right? But for me, everything seems to be going gray and it's bland, like interior homes, like you kind of want, and, and to me, I think like, God, are we losing the sort of, is this an indication that, that we're losing individuality? So the orange countertops and the lime green carpet, you're kind of wanting to go back to that? No. <laughs> Just wondering. <laughs> all I'm saying is that like all the homes, like like the Craftsman homes that are, they're, that are being built, it seems like they all just look the same. White, gray. Yeah, exactly. And there's there's no color to it. There's there's very little accent. You know, it's as if you want to leave... Uh, like live in a clean room, you know, where they, where they make hard drives, you know? Yep. And I, I don't know. I just, for me, that's too much order. Well, I go into <laughs> some of those houses and I think, man, I'm scared to sit down on their, you know, furniture that they've got as their model home furniture. My yeah. house, you just plop down. It's very comfortable. And yeah, I got three cats. It's a full-time job not to let people know that you have a cat when you walk in a house. So. Tried two cats and two dogs. Okay. So I got one dog. I got one dog. But. Three of them are rescues, and the other one we had gotten when we were stationed out in Abilene at Dias Air Force okay. Base. So he's yeah. just a little toy Australian Shepherd. And actually, when they did the landing, 1699 landing, my daughter was one of the, the mm -hmm. girls oh, that cool. was in the in the reenactment. And they had the, the dog walk up to 
uh, downtown. And then they did little awards, and he got voted the cutest dog in Ocean Springs. No big deal. No big deal. Yeah. He's still got his medal. He keeps it. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, I've always wanted a Maine Coon. Friend of mine has one. Really? That cat would take up this whole. There, there, there are two things that I love about, uh, well, that that I desire in a cat. They're very chatty, right? So I, I like rag dolls. I like Siamese cats, uh, and they're large. I like large cats. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. I get up into my bed, and one of them will come up right next to my ear, and I just stop. Yeah, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. <laughs> I want my cats to talk to me, you know, when I talk to them. And Mine talk to, to me, yeah. but I've got one, though, that it's on her time. Ah, yeah. One of them, she's like a dog. She was raised by the Toy Australian Shepherd, so she's like a dog. But the other cat, mm-mm. it's on her time. If she wants to talk, she'll talk. But if not, she's walking away. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I, we were supposed to go to uh, Quitsky's recently because they did a fundraiser for the feral feline coalition i think that's what it is but um ended up having a schedule conflict but anyway getting getting back to okay. getting back stuff so. <laughs> yeah yeah what on the show we just talked about cats cats all the time <laughs> oh, which i'm fine with we can certainly transition but uh what are your thoughts on executive <clears throat> session well you know as well as i do in the military there were a lot of executive sessions 100 percent. yeah um because some of the decisions being made were not always decisions that people wanted to hear but i feel like the citizens need to know what's being talked about you know it's a different community than in the military we don't we we're not planning a mission that that if it leaked out you know we could end up hurting people or affecting Um, national security right right um i think executive sessions should be kept to a minimum I think it should be laid out so that the people in the city of ocean springs know if decisions are being made against something they believe in or for something they believe in. Uh, Personnel issues, though, need to be done behind closed doors, just Mm -hmm. like in any job. You know, um, if there's reprimand or actually reprimand, then it needs to be done behind closed doors or or rules broken or anything like that. Yeah. Now, uh, positive feedback needs to be done in an open forum. Sure. Right, right. um, But I, I, I feel like executive sessions in Ocean Springs need to be kept to a minimum. So how do how do we reconcile that with, with you know, the proper use of, of executive session or, or maybe make it more transparent where they're worried about being sued. The city attorney says, hey, we need to go into executive session this because, again, it probably comes from what well, we're concerned we might get sued. Now that excuse might become tired because they use it too much. But, like, is is there any way we can – gain some sort of access to say like, okay, can you at least clean up some sort of meeting minutes? That's, that's, yeah. that exactly, exactly my thought. Yeah. Uh, you can go in there because of the potential mm-hmm. that there could be a problem, but you go down, you, you, you go into the meeting, you discuss it and you realize there's really not a reason for this to have had to come into executive session. Um, and if there's not, then you make it public knowledge what yeah. was discussed. Now, if it's something that there, it could cause, be a cause for litigation or, or anything else, then you're going to have to, I guess, clean it up and make it a little more vague. But I think that there needs to be transparency into into what's going on in the city. And I think that, that they do or can do the minutes, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And I don't know for sure. The only reason I, I know it's possible is because when – 
uh, WLOX had the article about they went in, them going into an executive session for the firm that they paid thirty thousand dollars to, uh, and unfortunately didn't didn't get a business out of it. Um, to be fair, the money was allocated for that sort of thing, uh, but they didn't do any meeting minutes on that. Oh, and and so that's. By virtue of highlighting that they didn't do meeting minutes, it leads me to believe that they could do meeting minutes. And and to me, that seems like an easy kill, right? Because your lawyer is going to probably be the one to doctor it up for you. Yep, they're going to review know? it and make sure that there's not anything in there. That exactly, exactly. So I, I don't know. Just that that's the question I have that that doesn't really make sense to me. But even know. even public meetings, some things can be said that could get you in trouble. Yeah, yeah. So I've noticed that talking to aldermen that are. Um, that are running, right, incumbents, they'll, they'll get to a response and then they'll just stop talking. And it's because because they're working through their mind, I, I, I assume, like, okay, I can answer this, okay. And they're going through the next thought, I can say that, okay, can't say that. And then, and, it, and then it becomes this, like, weird kind of awkward pause, like, okay, yeah, we're totally moving on, yep. Well, that's kind of like, <laughs> is that classified information or is that, you know, and at what level of classification can we talk about here? Oh yeah, so. yeah. That that happened a lot when when I worked in the special operations community because we'd be talking about something and then we'd get close to something uh, that that might be on the fringe and I'd have to think like, oh man, do they have the right security clearance for this? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Should we be talking about this right here? <laughs> yeah. Are there windows? Any any <laughs> listening devices? Yeah, yeah. Exactly, <clears throat> exactly. Yeah, we we've got a weird way of saying things in the military, listening devices. Although what's really funny is walkie-talkie. Like it's this military radio that's got a child, a, a child's name, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Not like intergalactic space modulator. Like <clears throat> it, it says exactly what it does. It's like, well, well, what's it do? Well, you, you walkie. And you can. A, and you can talkie. Exactly. It's a walkie-talkie. You exactly. know, like, I don't know. But uh, anyway, so moving on from executive session, there's, there, there are things that, that, um, you know, we do need to talk about, you know, in the open. And for obvious reasons, it's kind of the bedrock of like, you know, the American, you know, the American exper experiment. Um, do you have any particular examples about executive session that maybe, because I can think like the Mary C's low, low hanging fruit. That's, that's, that's definitely one of those. Um, I think conversation about the sands might be one of those that, that, uh, go in there but but the uh, the irony and again i don't know this about the sands but the irony if they did go into executive station about the sands it's pretty public now yeah yeah it's out in the open yeah. so and i i know very little about it i know just enough to probably that it could get me in trouble one way or another sure sure so sure yeah at this point i gotta wait till i do a little more research fair enough <laughs> uh so as you mentioned before, you, you grew up in Biloxi, and yet you decided to settle in Ocean Springs. I did. So what made you come over? Well, uh, my last assignment was at Keesler, mm -hmm. and my daughters were going to the, I lived on base, uh, and it was kind of nice living on base because I had a house on the water, and yeah. that's, <laughs> that's not so something you can easily afford uh, to live. Was this post-Katrina or pre? This is after. This was in okay. 2012. Gotcha, um, gotcha. And the houses were pretty much brand new that they rebuilt. The Austin um, housing over there was really nice. Yeah. yeah, right on the water. We could walk down to the pier and go mm -hmm. fishing or, or right, Right uh, near the golf shrimping. course, too. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't quite walk there. Oh, yeah, I could, too. I could pretty much walk to the golf course. So, yeah. but, um, so it was really nice uh, living there. 
And on a base, you have a sense of community. Mm-hmm. Um, Biloxi growing up, I mean, when I was growing up, I think the population might have been about 25,000, 30,000 in Biloxi. Wow. And when I left uh, to go in the military in about 1990 is when they first started getting the riverboat uh, casinos. Mm. And so when I came back, it was like a whole different um, city to me in Biloxi. Love Biloxi, love this, you know, love the people in Biloxi. But um, so when I lived on base, it was that sense of community that I've had for 25 years. Uh, Biloxi bloomed up so much, and I started looking at Ocean Springs. I remember uh, when I was in high school, the big thing to do was to cruise Front Beach. You know, you'd go up, you'd go down, you know, one of the streets, turn around, go past um, the yacht club, come back down, cruise Mm -hmm. in a circle, and and it was just kind of a a small, sleepy town, fun place to be. And Mm -hmm. so I started looking at Ocean Springs when I was looking to buy a home. Mm -hmm. And... uh, decided this was the place for us and my girls love the schools here yeah um well the, well, the schools are peerless you know? they are they I are mean, and substituting in the schools uh, oh that's right the, I forgot to mention that yeah, yeah that's, that's the um, thing you do substituting in the schools for for years um at Oak Park Oak Park was one of my favorite elementary schools and I still if I'm at dirt cheap and they have tons of school supplies you know on sale for uh-huh. 50 cent pencil pouches or backpacks or whatever I'll just pick up a bunch of stuff take it to Oak Park and nice. and give it to Dr. Pope because uh I I love Oak Park but subbing in the schools uh the upper elementary the middle school um you can see that we have just got some of the best schools that we've yeah. got the best schools in the state in my opinion so. yeah for sure for sure, and the, uh, the when I tell people about the classes I was able to take in Ocean Springs, you know, they, they'll they'll a common response is like you you were able to do that in high school, you know, because you meet people from all all over the country in the in the military, and like you know, yeah, I took psychology, sociology, you know, uh, uh, genetics, microbiology, all that stuff. Like you did that in high school, you weren't like dual enroll or anything. No, 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 that was that was pretty basic. And and for me, it was I, I guess I was kind of spoiled to, you know, kind of have access to that. I mean, I'm, I met my I met my wife in piano class in high school. My, know, so. my daughter took guitar mm. two years ago. You know, I, I would have never had guitar <laughs> in high school. Well, I probably wouldn't have been able to play because, like I said, I'm not you know artsy yeah. kind of person. I'd well, love to love to learn to play the piano, but I was I was real annoying. As I was younger, and so I would I would learn enough to be annoying. And so, for example, I learned how to play co- the uh, beginning of cold cold as ice. And so every week, every week we we had to do a recital. That was like our test, our, our weekly test. So we had to learn a song all week and we play it. And my piano uh, teacher, bless her heart, she's so sweet, uh, but she she every time she'd say, Brian, you're not going to play cold as ice and so i'd work it in in some way in some way to the song i'd find a way to throw it in there either as an intro outro or somewhere as a bridge uh yeah well we went to eat i guess probably about three weeks ago we went to phoenicia to eat okay and uh they have the one person playing the piano in one room then the room we were sitting in there's a piano but no one playing it and there were about 10 of us at the table and someone said does anyone know how to play the piano i said oh sure i do so I got up and got on the piano. I played chopsticks and took okay. my bow and sat down. But go. that's about the extent of my, my piano. <laughs> I saw this guy on, on YouTube who uh, taught you, who said, if you want to trick people into uh, into thinking you know how to play piano, use these use these five uh, chords and, and like 
a different sequence and it it worked out it, it really did like everything he, he played just sounded great you know and uh so so there's a trick to it i'm sure there's a trick to it. you could there, i probably ran into people that don't know how to play an instrument but they they've just mastered the uh way to trick me so <laughs> my I, my family i've got a pretty musical family but i just didn't i didn't get those genes i don't yeah. think most of my friends were musicians. I, I, I played football and basketball, but I hung out mostly with the, with the band kids. Cause I just, I just like those kind of outlier types of types of people, honestly. And ocean Springs produces so much talent that, that, that people don't realize, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, David Sewell, he's, he's a music, he's a music professor at, at Arizona state. I think, um, the, uh, there's another girl that played flute, uh, and she is a professor uh, up in New York. I mean, there's, and that's just my grade. You well, know? I um, one of the things that I did, <clears throat> probably the first, probably going into the second year in Ocean Springs is for the middle school because both my daughters played in the band. I was the uh, middle school band booster president for okay. two years in a row. So, um, watching those kids and watching them go from sixth grade up to going into high school, amazing. Yeah. Some and and. And a lot of that has to do with our teachers, our band teachers uh, at Ocean Springs. They are simply amazing. They, if I substitute taught, if one of them was going to be out, they'd call me to to sub in the band classes. But, but those kids are amazing. They thrive. They they love it. Uh, every year we would do the what what's called Helnapalooza mm-hmm. down at Fort Marpaw. Mm-hmm. And it was organized by our, uh, the band booster club and we'd sell hamburgers and hot dogs and pizza and, and the kids, it wasn't mandatory for them to do. It was sponsored by the booster club. So it really wasn't a school function that they had to come to wasn't forced. They all came Yeah, because they loved to go out there and they'd get up on the stage at Fort Maripaw and they'd play for their parents and, and their friends. And that's awesome. And it's just a great thing for the kids to be able to do every year. And they're doing it again this year. Um, I got something on my email. They're looking for sponsors for it, uh, for the Houndapalooza. And it usually happens in May, uh, sometime around the third week of May, but I'm not exactly sure of the date, but I don't mean to put you on the spot is it, how would a business get in touch or who would they get in touch with to to sponsor? Um, I don't know who the band booster president is this year, uh, but I could definitely get that information. Yeah. I'll, I'll Um, I'll throw it on the website and then, uh, you know, if, if somebody wants that information, they can go check it out. Shopchivalry.com. Because what they do, what they do is they go to businesses and, uh, we would go to businesses and ask for sponsorship. And if they, if they actually pay or sponsor, I think it's $200, Uh then their logo or their name gets put on the back of the t-shirts so Perfect. we get the kids and with through their sponsorship it pays for the t-shirts yeah and it's it's pretty phenomenal what we do every year and what the band does every year is uh they let the kids design the front of the t-shirt okay so it'll say houndapalooza and the kids design it uh the teachers the band teachers then narrow down to say the top five right, uh, right. designs and then they let the band students pick the one they want on the t-shirt that's awesome. And we get the T-shirts made for free for mm-hmm. the kids with sponsorship, and then the sponsors' names get put on the back of the T-shirt. That's amazing. I still have like three Houndapalooza <laughs> T-shirts. Well, the uh, the band production at say halftime and and at football games, it's not it, it's not what you'd expect from a high school team, and 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 especially just around here in in general in the area, it's a sophisticated production. It is. It really is. My daughter, her first year at the high school, it was treacherous uh, having to to go for the summer camp the band camp because it's july mm-hmm. you know it's 100 
degrees outside oh, and they're yeah. out there marching, but they're there every day. Mm-hmm. She had the, the band tan, they'd call it. Yeah, with, you know. yeah. I'm but, familiar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but they work hard. Uh, Ocean Springs Band, whether it be middle school or the high school, the band works really, really hard, and it shows in their performances. Look, I took notice. I mean, we'd, we'd be on the track uh, when, when I did track and field. Um, I'd, be, I'd be running around the track, and you'd have you know, the band out there, and, and, and they'd, they'd still be doing their thing because they did competitions as well outside of just, just performing at halftime. Now, when I was in California, I realized how, how phenomenal – Ocean Springs was in this department because I went to a high school football game out there and it was like maybe, maybe 20, 25 kids. And they just stood out there. There was no movement. There was, you know, they just, they just stood out there, played a couple of songs, a dismal dance team. Yeah. Um, it was, it was. Our dance team is phenomenal too yeah. at the high school. Every and not it, to take yeah. away from the football team, but I but tell you just, what, when that more band, that night. when that yeah. band starts playing, people are clapping, people are singing the fight song you know it's just there's not a good time to get up and go to the restroom right during during a greyhound football game right there's 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 just not so um goodness okay (laughs) let's get back to it (laughs) this is great yeah yeah this is fantastic so let's talk about um annexation and growth because you're in you're in east ocean springs right and, and so there's uh there's a lot in that area. The, I mean, the high school is in that area, and it's outside of city limits. You got new, nice, nice neighborhoods popping up in that area outside of city limits. You know, um, if we're going to develop East Ocean Springs, we got to talk about moving up 57. I mean, what are your thoughts on all that? Moving up uh, Ocean Springs Road uh, toward 57 in that area, there are there are people out there that are for it and people that are against it. Um, I've spoken to a few and. I think it would be great for Ocean Springs economically, mm-hmm. uh, but the residents out there, I think some of them like their county life, yeah. which I don't, you know, I don't blame anyone. I've got property up in the country in Stone, Stone County. I've got 18 acres and to go out there, it's just very relaxing. Sure. Um, and I, I think what they would look at is if we did do that, it could be a benefit for them and for us, but we'd have to look at infrastructure. We'd have to look at fire departments. Um, and I think we would make sure we'd have to follow the rules on how long we have to bring it up to par. It's to like five years, it. right? I think it's two years. Is I think it two? I, I may not be positive, but I think it's two years to, to fully. I've heard two, five and eight. Well, so. we'll just have to research that and <laughs> yeah. figure out which one it is. I'm sure somebody will leave me a message on my cell phone and let me know. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's something Okay, so so what about say where the high school is? I always wondered why that wasn't in the city limits when I uh, first moved back uh, from Biloxi. Well, there's a rule in, in Mississippi. So uh, in the Mississippi Constitution, public school must be provided by the state, and so that's built into the land management uh, as well. So every I, I want to say it's like sixth acre or seventh acre has to be uh, or the state, state or city or or municipality, um, I'm butchering this, but they they get they can take advantage of eminent domain to build a school there, and so that allows them to strategically have a school around population centers and and, and more schools. And I think right. that was one of those situations. I actually think the middle school was one of them too. Probably. Yeah. So so that might be why. And of course, it, it makes sense because if you'll notice, like all the schools are on government, ex- except for Pecan Park. 
Right. You right. know, so yeah. it, it seems like that might be the case. Well, and for me, strategically placing where I wanted to live, knowing that my kids were soon to be out of the upper elementary and into the middle school and the high school. Yeah. I shifted out that direction. Yeah. So so are you, well, you must be in city limits, right? I am. Yeah. I am. Yeah. So what about those homes in, in that area? Would you look towards annexing those those areas as well? I, I, get, I guess under the same sort of caution, like, Consider it with also understanding we've got to do some things to bring it into compliance, right, you know, right? Fire and police and whatnot. And and yeah, I would, I would agree with, yeah, with that with, with that the area. annexing in that area. Yeah, some people have talked about annexing all the way north of I ten and taking in like the shed, kind of stopping there. I'm not so sure about that. And yeah. I haven't really looked into it enough. They were mm-hmm. talking about going up to the preserve golf course, and yeah. that's a lot of. That's a lot of area. Yeah. And, and it gives it, you access to the interstate. It does. Yeah. It does. Um, so I'm not real sure about that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, annexations are complicated issues. When I was speaking with, with Doug Walker, the areas of North Biloxi that were annexed, uh, I think he's the one who told me five years on bringing everything in into compliance. But uh, 20 years later, they're still not on city water, you know, right. and that's, you know, uh, <coughs> It's kind of insulting to the citizens, you know. That well, I own a house into. over there oh, really? um, off of Cedar Lake Road. Mm. And it's funny because the house is, you could almost ride your bicycle to Biloxi High School. Mm. But because of the way the annexation was done and everything else, the the renters that I have in that house, they go to Diabraville. Interesting. Yeah. Diabraville's so, really exploded. It has. You know, it in has. A, in a good way. Yeah. We, uh, you know, my relatives lived over in Diabraville growing up and- we would take Pops Ferry Road, a single lane bridge. Mm-hmm. Pops Ferry Road, single, single lane traffic all the way there, and it seemed like it would take us thirty five, forty minutes to get over to Yarville. Now it's just, yeah, right around the corner. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. And they're building that that big uh, uh, four lane highway running running through there to connect uh, the Indusangani, I think, and then with. Um, Washington Avenue, they're, they're, they're north of I-10, because that's where I used to, so the first time I took my wife on a date, she tells me this later, but I take the back way to get to the Grand Theater, right? And she, and she had never been that way, and so she was actually worried that, you were, (laughs) whatever, high school, you know, but, uh, but yeah, that was, that was a, thought you might be taking her mud riding or something, something, something. yeah, I, (laughs) I buried a Ford Probe out in, out in Sunplex. Oh, gosh. I bought, uh, I was kind of a gearhead in high school. And, and so, uh, I, I bought a, a, 98 Ford probe, didn't have power steering, uh, for two 10 inch Sony explode speakers, subwoofers and uh, $40 cash. It's a true story. Very, very true story. And so we, 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 we took it out mud riding and it got stuck. And so we crushed it out there and it's probably buried somewhere. <laughs> you didn't bother to go <laughs> dig it back out or anything else. No, no, that's, uh, that, that. That, that belongs to them now. Well, there's power lines there. Some <laughs> of the kids in, in the neighborhood, some of the high school kids take their trucks along those power oh, yeah. lines and oh, yeah. and do all that mud riding. My daughter yeah. came back after four-wheeling out there, and I, I couldn't see. I couldn't even see what color her shirt was because it yeah. was brown from the mud. So The dumb things you do as a kid. You know, we used to, so in, in your ward, uh, I think in your ward, yeah. So off of Ocean Springs Road, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's like a marina out there or like a boat, mm-hmm. boat ramp. Well, that used to be closed. We'd sneak through that fence and we'd swim across. It used to be a rope swing. And so we'd go there and swim through the bayou, uh, 
and uh, jump off that rope, rope swing, get in, fight with, get in fights with St. Martin kids. And so, yeah, I was a bit of a hellion. Yeah, that. <laughs> but now I have a now, boat and I bring it into Davis Bayou, and yeah. uh, the alligators I've seen. I don't think that's, I want to be in the bayou anymore. That's what I'm saying. It's so funny the dumb things because of the bravery that you have because you don't know the dangers in the world. I would never do that. Period. I'm not sure if I'd want to go go uh, uh, kneeboarding in the bayou. You know, yeah. like because still, and especially after Katrina, like what if there's a wa- like a washing machine under there or something? But yeah. Yeah, I um, people come down to visit and they're like, "Oh, we can go kayaking on the bayou." I'm like, "I need a bigger boat <laughs> on, on the bayou because I'm not so sure I want to do that." I've seen the size of the alligators back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got some big. Well, and and it became. I'm I'm told that uh, the the gators got got out of hand. I don't know if they still are, but they were issuing tags, so you could go shoot shoot alligators. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. My dad got a couple of those. Well, I was golfing out at uh, um, Shell Landing. And there was one sitting right up by the green, and it had to be at least 10 feet long. I thought, I don't need to putt. I, I'm, I'm going to call gonna. myself a one-putter here. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm not going to three-putt this one and run. So, yeah. Yeah. There used to be a lot of gators on St. Andrews, you know, when you got out closer towards the bayou there. Yeah. Uh, I forget what, what hole that is. I think it's on the front nine. Pretty sure it is. But anyway. No, no, no. I think it was the back nine. Because the front nine wrapped around the front. I think of the neighborhood, the back nine went around the back. But anyway, uh, it's a shame that that's not open still. Yeah, that was a pretty course out there. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. But okay, well, let's talk about downtown. What ideas do you have about downtown? Because we've we we've got a congestion problem to you know to some degree, and uh, at, again, people are probably going to get tired of me saying it this way, but. My fear about this is that we're going to run into a point of diminishing marginal returns where right. businesses want to be down there. They <clears> build <throat> down there based on if you build it, they will come, but they don't want to come down there because they can't get access or it's inconvenient. Right. We've seen a number of businesses move down there. Yeah. Um, the, the Marina Soap Company, I think they used to be on Highway 90, one of the soap companies, mm. and then they moved downtown. Um yeah, it seems some some will buy like a shop somewhere and just wait for vacancy wait, just to move in. Wait that's, for something to open. That's how desirable it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but then if you can't get down there and you can't park and you know, like I said, working at that breakfast joint, there was plenty of parking at five mm-hmm. in the morning. But by eleven o'clock or noon on a weekend, especially, it's very hard to find a place to park. And and some people probably just turn around and go elsewhere. But I don't I don't know the solution. I've seen I've been sitting at Government Street Grocery sitting there and watched uh, rearview mirrors taken off cars because of the tightness of, of the road. I've seen it happen twice where people's rearview mirrors got, or the side mirrors got yeah. knocked off of their vehicles. Um, what's the solution? I don't know. You can't widen the road because yeah. then you have no sidewalk. Um, I, I think it's, a, I don't think it's a situation where you have a solution. I think it's a situation where you accept the proper trade-off. Now, for, for somebody who's, who's worked down there, I mean, is it possible for it to be a pedestrian zone only? It's possible, but there's a lot of people that I think don't want to park so far away mm-hmm. and have to walk mm-hmm. um, to be walking only. But it is possible. Yeah. Maybe an employee parking lot somewhere that's not being utilized where yeah. the employees have transportation to their workplace and that frees up a number of parking spots for, for customers to come in. I don't know. Yeah. It, 
you know, I think you bring up a good point about having something at least for the employees, so the so the businesses are are, are least affected, uh, because that's that's who you're trying to keep happy down there, right? right. And, and and that's kind of who you're working for. Even if you're saying, how can we make it more accessible downtown? The real incentive there is to help the businesses so they can be more profitable, right. so you can raise raise uh, tax tax revenue revenue to to the degree that that's true. It might be in the city's interest to promote some sort of maybe pedestrian zone, but also have golf carts or some sort of transportation to move people from, from store to store from their parking. I don't, I, I don't know. I, mean, well, I thought it was great. One of the uh, festivals they had, maybe it was last Peter Anderson where they didn't have the buses running due to COVID, but mm. there was an individual that had like a, a six pack golf cart that was for tips only. Yeah. Uh, they were picking people up and taking them down to the festival. So. Yeah. Well, uh, if the free market sees a need, the, the free market provides. It right. Seems. Right. <laughs> I didn't ask you, by the way, are you, are you running as a Republican or Democrat or independent? Republican. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, I should ask that because because that would have given me a better frame. Um, but uh, in any case, so are are the golf carts part of the problem downtown? I haven't seen a problem. Yeah. Um, it's kind of hard for me to see a problem with golf carts through my tinted uh, 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 windscreen on my golf cart. <laughs> some, of, some of the golf carts are pretty entertaining when they go by. Um, we've seen, I'll go sit down there with my daughters and we'll go to uh, Pop Brothers or, or we'll go to Chard and sit outside. And, yeah. and people rent those golf carts and decorate them up and have their own little golf cart parade going up oh, and down. Just- just ones that they rent? Mm-hmm. Oh, just that's ones, awesome. And, and people that do have their own golf carts will do that, too. Yeah, I've seen um, some pretty elaborate ones. Yeah, they'll decorate them up and go by, and it's kind of like a mini parade, which mm-hmm. we haven't been able to have a parade now for a year. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I was talking with uh, Jennifer Burgess in Ward 1, and they do like a – she wanted to put together like a neighborhood uh, Mardi Gras parade with like golf carts, you know. Uh, and I was like, let me know. You know, I'll, I'll come down there and – that would be fun. Be a part of that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think so. I mean, I'm surprised that's not more common, honestly, especially in COVID. Yeah. You well, know? I mean, when they started doing the, the Yardy Gras, decorating yeah. the houses and stuff like that. Isn't that, that was, a cool thing that, that emerged? That was an awesome, yeah. awesome idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love that. I was like, you know, this is, that's, you got to take the good with the bad with the pandemic. And that's, that's a good thing that emerged out of it that um, will probably continue in, in the future years. Cause it gives people a reason to, you know, make the city more Mardi Gras-esque. I mean, yeah. you know. Well, and I think the people, especially along the coast, we do, we take anything and try to make it a good thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, we, we come out uh, a little bit ahead just because of the positive attitude that we have down here. Sure. Sure. Makes sense. So what about a parking garage? What's your Well, your there's one on going it? in, I'm hearing, um, downtown. Okay. Um, I don't know all the details about it because I'm not in that. In that, that room, yeah. And, and that's the tough thing, right? If you're coming in, uh, you know, trying, uh, competing f- for a, 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 a seat at the, uh, as an alderman with an incumbent there, you know, you're not in those, you know, inner circle meetings. So I mean, I would love to see the plans. I think it needs to be aesthetically pleasing. It's sure. got to fit into the community. 100%. It can't just be a concrete box that's yeah. plopped down somewhere that, you know, you see those all over New Orleans. Yeah. And uh, But I think if they can add more to it than just a, a parking lot. Um, Do you think that downtown is moving towards just a 
a cleaner version of New Orleans with all the bars and whatnot? And I don't know, because during the day and actually up until about ten o'clock at night, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't see the New Orleans bar scene at all. Now yeah. for a couple hours around eleven o'clock or so, then it's the older, it's a bit dicey, older yeah. crowds. <laughs> I would say older crowds, but I to me they're younger crowds right, because right. they're not older than me because mm-hmm. I'm at home ten o'clock. Um, but uh, I don't see it like New Orleans. New Orleans is a, a, I feel very extreme on the bars. Yeah, yeah. Um, our bars, the live music, uh, where you can actually almost stand outside of the place and listen to the music. Um, yeah. And it's a very, very, very friendly area. Yeah. Um, yeah, the bustling nature of, of downtown pre-COVID, you know, you could have, like, walk 100 feet either direction and hear a different type of music, you know, and, and, and of course all the bars are fantastic and they all have their own atmosphere. The, the groceries kind of hipster esque, you know, and, you know, well, and some nights you can go on one bar and play trivia or, you know, Oh yeah. Yeah. I actually haven't done like that, that yet since I've been down here. Uh, we, we won the office trivia. I'm a huge office fan. Are you, are you a fan of the office? I, I do like the office. Yeah, yeah. I like going it's in so there. good. Well, and what's so cool is you can say, Oh, I'm at the office. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's just it's got it's just got something about it when you say yeah. that. So yeah, for sure. And then people sure. are like, "But I didn't think you worked anymore. I thought you were retired." Well, you know. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on on making government one way? It would save a lot of people's uh, side mirrors if it was one way, <laughs> right. but um, I don't I don't think that's going to work because there's no I don't see a route around, um, and I. Yeah. When it's the either festival. Bowen or 90. Yeah. And uh, when I worked down there, the ri- when the festivals would happen and I'd try to be getting down there to mm-hmm. work, you don't want to do that to the neighbors. I don't think you want to do that to the to the neighborhoods that are right there off of, off of Washington and government, uh, rerouting it through any of those places. Yeah, I'm concerned something like that might actually lower the property values, you know, and I could see citizens being pretty upset about that and i could see a lot of signs going out children play here children play here and just yeah and then of course that would probably turn in like to 20 30 speed bumps down that road yep yep (laughs) i they bought that house in that location for a reason yeah so and it wasn't to have traffic rerouted through their neighborhood so i don't i don't know what the solution is maybe we'll figure one out I'm sure. Well, and, and again, it, it, it could be the case that it, it's there's no good solution. So you're really just deciding on a different set of trade-offs. Uh, and, and to me, that, that seems like the only solution unless the city's going to buy up city blocks and tear down buildings and, yeah. and fix it. And it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense that that would be the case. Yeah. But they are trying to invest down Porter, you know, and move some traffic down Porter, which I mm-hmm. think is a good move. But um, I think so, too. That's a great area down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be an extension of what we have uh, off of government. Mm-hmm. So as we get towards towards the end of this, one, one thing we, we didn't talk about are kind of like what are some problems in, in your ward that, that uh, you're ready to, like you think <laughs> need, need more attention? And uh, Well, we do have a drainage issue. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, it's, it's like peeling back an onion. The more that I learn about, the more comes to the surface. Um, yeah. 
Trentwood does have a, a drainage problem that needs to be addressed. And, and from what I'm hearing, they're putting a, a bid out for a contract to to fix the drainage problem. But uh, just this past week, one of the ladies in the neighborhood had like a sinkhole in her front yard. Yeah. So luckily, you know, the city of Ocean Springs, uh, they went out and found out that the pipe underneath was leaking, I think. I don't know. I, I spoke to her and uh, they filled it in and fixed it. But the same issue is happening to the neighbors across the street. So rather than waiting for a contract to be let and then waiting another year for the project, because it could be up to a year before it's fixed, I, I, I feel like there's things that can be done now that mm. need to be done. I don't know what they are. I'm not an engineer, but I, I think it really needs to be looked at for mm. these people. And I've heard Park Town's got some drainage issues too, but I really haven't stepped into any of that or looked mm-hmm. looked into that. So I got gotcha. you. Okay. Well, being being a being a colonel a colonel in the Air Force, right? You had a a wide a wide array of responsibility because of subordinate units underneath uh, your 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 level of command and whatnot. So. It's kind of applicable to a city because you're going to have a wide array of different neighborhoods and different neighborhood needs. So how is your experience suited to be an alderman? Wow. Well, one of my jobs uh, in the Air Force is I was the deputy mission support group commander at Dias Air Force Base. Okay, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to break this down just as you're talking about it, just to make it more palpable, right? So so at the wing level, we're talking about an entire base. So Keesler's a wing. And then within a group, like say, for example, the medical group, you'll you'll have all of the, uh, like the, the dental clinic, the hospital, biomedical, stuff like that. Right. Mission support group will have all of the sort of services, all the units that fulfill functions like human resource type functions, fitness centers, and it's basically, if you look at the group commander for the mission support group, it's it's kind of like the mayor. Yeah. Um, it's a mayor position for the base. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't do any of the operations. So anything that happens on the flight line with the airplanes taking off landing, yeah. they don't do that. They do, however, they're in charge of the fuel that goes mm-hmm. in those aircraft. So kind of the gas stations. Mm-hmm. Uh, the air base, traffic controllers. Air traffic controllers. The uh, Well, air traffic controllers now are under the ops side of the house that, not the mission support that just recently happened i think right yeah yeah because because they were i think it was a finance commander that, that signed the, the eprs and stuff but you're civil yeah. engineers so yeah. civil engineering you've got everyone that repairs buildings builds buildings mm-hmm. um police right police fire, fire department, department your communication all your networks your phones your so your utilities pretty much fall under uh, oh, yeah. the I mission see. support group yeah um communication anything you think to communicate whether it be radar equipment, radios, uh, the post office falls under the mission support group. All of base housing falls under mission support group. Okay. Um, contracting. So anytime you have a contract let um, and has to be reviewed, our contracting squadron reviews all of that. Uh, services, so the base gym, the base pools. Dining the facilities. Dining facilities. The base education. Base education, officers club. Welfare um, programs like uh, um, the Airmen and Family Readiness Center. That's all under the Mission Support Squadron. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so all of that having to do with getting your ID card or mm-hmm. or those type things. Public so affairs, probably? Public affairs falls directly oh, under the wing. Under the wing, that's right. Because they that's speak right. for the boss, the mm-hmm. big boss. So, But the budget for the Mission Support Group to maintain the entire base, um, it's in excess of probably $80 million a year. Mm-hmm. To, to run uh, the base. And, and I was in charge of the uh, facilities group um, committee where 
all of the groups on base, the medical group, the maintenance group, the um, ops group, they would all bring their con- their issues, building facility issues to the board, and, and we'd have to prioritize what comes first, what needs to be done the most. And, and it would be, become a battle between the groups saying, well, you're giving them this much money. Well, yeah, we're giving them that much money because the facility that they have a leak in is covering that B-1 bomber that we need covered. Mm-hmm. So you have to prioritize things. And what's more important to get done is not always the the popular the, decision. The popular decision. Yeah. So. So, so that's that's really interesting. So, so you've got a lot of experience. And, and I don't know if you ever get comfortable telling somebody they, they, they can't have something that in their eyes they desperately need. Um, but you But you seem to have some unique experience in this already. I do. Yeah. I do. And and it is a, a tough job. When uh, I was at Dias, I actually was in charge of writing uh, the base installation excellence package. Okay. And so This is an award, yes? It's an award. Okay. And it's competition throughout all the bases in the Air Force. And you put together a package and you talk about um, things you've done to improve, improve the base. Um using ingenuity, using ways of saving money to make things better, uh, saving the military, the Air Force money, while you're making your base a better place to live. And uh, while we were there, we were awarded the Base Installation Excellence Award based on all the things we had done at the base. By winning that award, um, they then hand you an amount of money to now spend on your base. And to do more upgrades on your That's base. Right. Yeah. But because they give you this money, and I think that year it was $80 million to invest in the Dias Air Force Base. And they give you that money, and you have to spend it within a year, and it has to go for facility-type things. But because they give you that much to improve your, va- your base, you're not eligible to apply for that award again for, I think it's it may be one or two years. Wow. Because they've just given you money to make sure. your base even better. So if you go and compete, of course, you're probably going to win again because you've had the money to do the improvement. So, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. So, so and this might be a fun experiment just to walk through. So, you know, if um, we'll talk about whenever the process for me to get a mission when I was flying, right? So when they get a mission down, we'll start with uh, my unit got – got an email saying that there was a mission and uh, they needed to man it and whatnot, right? So the information system that they got the email fell under your command, right? Because because, because it's network. The taskings. Yep, yep. That, the network, the email, mm-hmm. the telephone they used to call me. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, when I had to get my my bags, like my A-bag, right? That fell under your command. Uh. Yes. Yes. Okay. At one point, that was under a different group, but yes. Gotcha. What about vehicle ops? Vehicle ops, transportation falls under the mission support group. So transportation, and then so when I was uh, driven out to uh, out to get all the equipment I needed for my flight, um, all of the secure comm stuff. That's all under your command. Communication squadron okay. falls under the that. flight kitchen that that provided our flight meal. All your command. Uh, whenever they filed. Uh, for flight pay, all your command. Right. They have to go to fine. Well, take that back. Finance fell under the wing. It Commander. did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Finance fell under the we wing. We found the first thing. Yeah. Okay. And then, of course, being on the plane is primarily uh, is, is, is primarily under under ops. But even the communication that's used by your traffic control to talk to you, all of that falls, falls under. under. Mission support group. Yeah. Anything to support the mission. That's right. So. Yeah. That's interesting. 
Well, what other message do you want to get out to the to to your ward? Um, you know, I I am going to try and get out and and start walking and shaking hands and uh, talking to people. But I I would love for them to email me with their concerns or thoughts um, on my sign uh, that I have all around town. It says "Giving You a Voice," and mm-hmm. and I'd like to hear their voice. Yeah, I'd like to hear what their concerns are. Yeah, that makes sense. How do people get in touch with you? Like, do you, do you want to give your email out here or, or your Facebook page? or? Yeah, I, I do have an email okay. um, that I set up just for this, and it's just uh, Melanie Milburn Ward 6 at Yahoo. Okay, so. and, and I'll put that on the post on the, on the, on the, uh, on the website as well. And, uh, yeah, excellent. Melanie, it's been a pleasure talking it to you. It has been awesome talking to you. <laughs> and I think the little, uh, the gym back there, I'm going to have to get my kids signed up so that I can yeah, come over and yeah. take an adult gymnastics class or something. Yeah, shout out to uh, Bow and Arrow Cheer. And, and, and he'll just do individual classes as well, uh, David McVeigh and, and, and the other instructors. But, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because we can kind of speak the same language with – with the Air Force stuff, it was really interesting to hear how you you kind of said, well, the mayor's kind of basically what I did with this job because you have these different people competing for a piece of the pie of this right. money, and right. and it's a lot of money, you know, and, and, and you're having to prioritize. That's very much what you do in the city. Granted, you're doing it as an alderman, but you're participating in this process that you're – that you, it's a proxy. It's a simple – it's a proxy for what you're about to do. Right. Right. Uh, so it, it, it makes it uh, – You've got a unique skill set for this, you know, so that's, that's, that's very exciting. And, and, and your ward benefits from that as well. And it's just, it's learning the new rules, rules and regulations like we always have. That's right. Um, And which rules, you know, are the ones that are really going to be the gotchas. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, look, I'm, I'm excited that you're running. I'm excited that, that you, you're part of the this amazing group of talented people that are running and wishing to represent the people of Ocean Springs, and the people are the ones that benefit from this the most. And uh, Melanie, again, I've 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 had a great time talking talking to you. Thank you for coming by. Thank you, Brian. And uh, best of luck on your on your campaign. Thank you. <laughs> All right, everybody, we'll see you. <laughs>Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I certainly did. And if you want to follow uh, more and hear more, you can check us out on any of the major podcasting platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, everything. You can also follow us on social media. I've got a YouTube channel, so search for Shop and Chivalry. Subscribe there. We also have Instagram. Just look for Shop and Chivalry. Twitter at Shop and Chivalry and Facebook.com slash Shop and Chivalry. You can also shoot us an email at administration at Shop and Chivalry if you'd like to be on the show or suggest somebody or give more direct feedback. You can also find that link on our website, shopandchivalry.com, where I have all of my ramblings about the show, what the show means to me, that, that particular episode. I've got a blog, other media on there as well, as well as embedded players. So you can play the shows and the videos for those that, that have video as well. So uh, again, thank you for all the love. I appreciate all the feedback. It's been wonderful. I'm having a great time. And uh, yeah, much love. All right. See you.